And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. On today's show, I want to talk about something. It's kind of like about mental mesmerism. But our topics for today are the Carrie Lake lawsuit, Twitter files self-censoring, fifth-generation warfare, invisible but deadly, DeSantis Lake in 28, or maybe even Lake DeSantis, and signs that the culture is crazy. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello and what, again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, back in my home studio, making it roll here from home. We, we built this studio, we, we moved a little bit out of Dallas and built this studio at home. And uh, I really want to express my gratitude and appreciation for the hard work and patience of the Real News PR team and Real News Communication Network that helped put the studio in and that helped us do the show uh, remotely because it's a bit of a drive down to Dallas. So fun to do it from home. Okay, so today I want I started talking about the Cary Lake lawsuit. And I am going to talk about that in just a moment in the first five. But I first want to play a cut. No, I think I'll wait for the clip. I want to play a clip in the show that is from Star Wars, one of the best series ever. Love Star Wars um, and love many of the honestly kind of deeply spiritual is a good word messages um, or just kind of truths of life messages that come uh, right from Star Wars. But I'm going to start with the Carrie Lake lawsuit. As you know, Carrie Lake ran for governor in Arizona and uh, they claimed on election day that she lost. And so there was a hearing today, and it was actually um, online. You could listen to it on, on Restream. So I tuned in to listen to the hearing. And this is a hearing that's being uh, was called by the judge. And the case essentially is Carrie Lake is challenging uh, the legitimacy, obviously, of the gubernatorial election in Arizona. And she's laying out, I mean, brilliantly argued, lengthy. Uh, I mean, I haven't read every bit of the pleadings, but I've read a lot. She's laying out arguments, facts, and data, and she wants to get to the point of discovery, meaning the point to present evidence, present experts who can talk about what she has uncovered. So that's what she's trying to do to challenge the legitimacy of the election. And the other side, of course, wants to throw this case out. The first point I want to make uh, is just about the uh, strength of the lawsuit. And I believe we linked on our, I don't know if we linked on our website today, but we will link uh, there was a great piece, and many great pieces have been put out for people who don't want to read the entire um, complaint. They can just read a summary. There was a great piece put out uh, by uh, Seth Keschel, a friend of this show, but I many times, um, and he just called it a comprehensive guide to Carrie Lake's lawsuit. And the reason I want to do this, I'm not going to read a lengthy thing, but I want to make this point to start with. If you enter in Google, which you shouldn't use, but if you search on Google, or any of the mainstream search engines and put in Carrie Lake lawsuit, the entire, not just first page, but pages and reams of links are come up first that all describe Carrie Lake as her failed campaign and this lawsuit as her, uh, you know, sour grapes is even too nice a word. They mock, they ridicule her. They talk about her like she's just unable to deal with reality, um, that there is an absolute myth underlying everything she's saying, that there's absolutely no evidence of election fraud. Uh, many people have said this. This is a, you know, a long, this has been a, a myth that was busted a long time ago and that they make her look like just a, um, not just angry or, you know, kind of sour grapes, but really out of touch with reality. Carrie Lake, election denier, can't deal with reality. And the truth is, this is a very substantive lawsuit. It's a very serious, substantive law lawsuit. And stepping back from the particulars of this one, in our country, if you polled basically everyone who participates in elections, I mean, voters on both sides of the aisle, everyone in the middle, they would say, of course, election integrity, truth and confidence in the outcome of elections, that they're fair and honest, is a high priority. No one says, I don't care if they have our elections are rife with fraud, except the people who commit the fraud, they're great with it. But nobody else says that. And so in this country, you would want to have a uh, 
a case in which there were so many egregious actions taken uh, at the hands of officials who are against Trump and against Carrie Lake and against uh, and in favor of the George Soros-supported Democrat who is now uh, claiming to be or has been announced to be the winner of this election. You would want this lawsuit to go forward, but you can barely find a commentator uh, on the mainstream uh, sources who will even acknowledge the, the uh, depth and clarity of this um, lawsuit. And so my first point is, if you search on Google then or any other place, uh, you will discover that there is a just hysterical effort underway to undermine her, to describe her as foolish, idiotic, out of touch, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to just tell you some of the highlights um, of this lawsuit. It's, it's number one, it's 70 pages, meaning it is full of depth and substance. And she's calling for discovery. She wants discovery made. Uh, number of illegal votes, they can already determine illegal votes cast in Arizona's general election in November is Eight, excuse me, is 17, um, far exceeds the 17,117 vote margin between Carrie Lake and the Democrat candidate who also got to run her own election, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. So they have illegally cast votes exceeding the uh, difference and in, in, in the vote difference. I mean, that itself should mean the judge says, well, that that's not a good idea. We got to you know, do a revote and make sure we understand, um, you know, that we, we're sure that we don't have people voting uh, who shouldn't have and their vote should not have been counted. So there's that. There's literally um, the number of illegal votes cast in Arizona exceeds the 17,000 vote margin. Um, uh, there were uh, now there's, there's also Seth Keschel, who's brilliant at analyzing election data, points out his analysis. It's more like there were 246,628 too many votes cast, meaning when you look at the numbers uh, of, you, as, as Seth Keschel does, looks at trends, we're in the neighborhood of over 200,000 extremely unlikely legitimate votes. Um, they have the um, this the legal bullet. He uh, Seth Keschel calls it the most lethal legal bullet disenfranchisement of obvious Republican voters. Now, what happens in elections around America for a long time is Republicans vote on election day, generally speaking. Democrats vote early, and everyone involved in running elections knows this. It's, you know, you learn this if you're the first campaign you ever work on. And so Republicans vote on election day, and so you had numerous uh, voting centers in Maricopa County and other counties, but Maricopa being the largest in population, where the electronic machines wouldn't work on election day. Work just fine. Early voting, who knows why? They work fine, but not on election day. So she's pointing this out. Um, in fact, she's talk she um, she has a one precedent um, <laughs> that uh, uh, is Findlay versus Sorensen. Errors in a canvas of an election can void the entire election. You have the Secretary of State, Hobbs, then sitting Secretary of State, now uh, Governor-elect, running her own election, and now we've discovered she's part of the government cabal that was participating in Twitter's censorship program. Not just about the election, election outcome, and the, and the you know, concern about election fraud, but during the campaign, when people, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this show and you think I'm on Twitter 18 times a day, and that's hugely consequential. If you never look at Twitter, then you're thinking, what difference does it make? But the truth is, for people who go on Twitter, and there really are a lot of people, and I'm not saying it, it's actually a very wise decision in some cases, to go on Twitter, find the really substantive, serious posters if you're on the conservative side, you've got a whole list of them you can know to go check, see what they're saying. They often link to great articles, new data, new studies, new arguments. I mean, it's a great source of developing not just information, but also uh, links to stories. And so the point of this idea that Katie Hobbs was in the middle of the censorship operation that Twitter ran is kind of consequential. Um, they go on and talk about how people uh, in the Maricopa County uh, referred to the uh, election uh, day as pure chaos. They actually said that. The election officials running it said it was pure chaos. And yet later said, no, it was the most orderly election we ever had in our entire lives. People who went in and couldn't get the, their ballot to be to feed into the counter were told, don't worry, just put your ballot down here in box three and you know later we'll fill it in not to worry. Um, so they had, you know, this uh, people referred to that some as electoral improprieties. Uh, they had rampant administrative chaos and confusion, lengthy delays at polling sites, 
ultimately the prevention of qualified voters from having their votes counted. They couldn't wait in line anymore. They didn't want to let, they don't trust the election officials, and so they didn't want to leave them there. So she's mounted a good lawsuit. I'm not going to go through every single argument she makes, but I've heard, I've talked to people who've been involved in this as well as what she's written. It was rampant, obvious, and not just, you know, one voting center opened half an hour late. It wasn't like that. It was a serious chaos, including the mixing together of ballots already tabulated with ballots that weren't tabulated, weren't counted, so you don't know whether all the ballots actually got counted. This is quite consequential. So that's all she's trying to say is, can we have a close look at what she and her lawyers have gathered as evidence that show this election was, you know, leave the word rigged out of it. It was so fraught with misconduct, incompetence, almost seeming intentional uh, failure to have the election machines working in the relevant areas, um, that the case has astonishing merit. But yet listening in this morning in this oral argument, um, the judge obviously has lawyers for all the people involved. Um, and it was online. It was, it was not in court. It was online, uh, a Zoom hearing, which is very common now. And um, as she's, this judge, this woman judge, is, is going through all of this, um, you know, she's setting this hearing on the motion to dismiss, which is, you know, the state of Arizona trying to throw it out uh, for Friday. And if further, so that, that'll be heard. She'll decide shortly after that. And then if they go to evidentiary, um, the, allowing Katie, allowing um, Carrie Lake to, to uh, provide evidence and put on her expert witnesses, that's supposed to start on Monday. So they're really trying to, to move this along, which is good. But this is a very, very serious um, case. It's not just this case, but it really kind of crystallizes one of the things I want to talk about today. And that is just this mass mesmerism of this country, mass manipulation of the thinking and the understanding of the American people on so many issues. When you can see just, you know, Googling, you can you can see reams and reams of experts and, you know, sources you may have heard of the, of the online source or the newspaper mocking and saying, this is so silly. It becomes what you think if you're not a thinker. If you're not willing to actually think for yourself, read for yourself, you think, gee, this lady must be nuts. You know, she's so just pressing this, and they've already said uh, that was a myth that there was election fraud. So it's an extremely important case uh, to be decided in America. Um, and I, I want to mention one other quick thing in closing out in Katie Hobbs. I mean, I obviously, uh, excuse me, uh, closing out in Carrie Lake. I love Carrie Lake. She's been on the show a couple times. Uh, she's brilliant, and she's a, you know, she's one of the best communicators, really, in the Republican Party. In terms of a, a national level person, I know she ran as governor for to be governor of Arizona, national level thinker, able to think on her feet, speak in an articulate manner, and explain the conservative viewpoint. Uh, she uses MAGA a lot, but even if you love or hate Trump, whatever you think, the MAGA agenda, restoring America, is what the American people want. She's able to articulate it in a way she that just is is far above any other candidate I'm aware of. Um, she's just a um, she, she's what drives them so nuts about her. She's unapologetically a Trump supporter, and unapologetically says that election 2020 was stolen, and everybody knows it. And she talks about the border, all the things that the left tries to get the people to shut up and stop talking about. So uh, it, it's a really important case. It's someone who's still willing to fight. Other people have uh, were all, also the victims of uh, very obvious election fraud or seeming election fraud, and they have conceded. She's standing in the gap. She's standing up for uh, in the fight. I saw she was on Bannon yesterday, the day before, and she made a comment about, you know, we need to hold the Republican elected officials accountable. Make them take a stand. Was this a fair election or not? A good question. So anyway, that's Carrie Lake's lawsuit. Uh, last point I'll make about really quickly. You may have read that her lawyers were sanctioned about a, a different lawsuit. I want to be clear with you. Number one, how different what, the, what that different lawsuit was. Number two, how absurd this sanctioning is and what it really says about the state of our judiciary. So prior to the election, and I know this um, was, I heard this talked about it in kind of election integrity circles, um, this idea that many candidates, if they are concerned about election fraud, which they should have been, uh, that they should file um, a complaint prior to the election and ask a judge to rule that only paper ballots can be used. And in her case, in Carrie Lake's case, her lawyers filed this case, this, uh, this complaint, asking Arizona judge to rule that 
that only paper ballots and paper tabulation could be used in the two largest counties, Maricopa, and I think the other one's Yuma, but whatever it is, at the two, or maybe it's Pima, but the two largest counties, but Maricopa being the main one. Her, her basic thing was, we have great concern about electronic election fraud, and we'd ask for an order that only paper ballots be used. So the judge dismissed it. He said, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, we're not going to order them to go to paper ballots at this point. So the judge dismissed it, um, which I think was a mistake, but he did. But then afterward, at the motion, at the request of the state of Arizona, they went back to the judge and said, you know, actually, you should sanction her lawyers for even filing this lawsuit. I mean, who are they to interfere and say, we can't handle, we can't do fair elections? Who are they to say this? And the judge thought about it and actually did it. He imposed sanctions, which means fines, penalties on her lawyers after the election based on the litigation she filed before the election saying, please, uh, can we have paper ballots because they're more reliable? And the judge honored, went along with the, Arizona, the state of Arizona motion to uh, impose sanctions on Carrie Lake's lawyers and was so breathtaking he did this after the complete chaos caused by the electronic machines in Maricopa County, exactly what she was saying in her complaint. And I want to say this about that judge. I don't know that judge, and I don't know a lot of the judges who've been involved in all of this, but I will say it's a really important factor to keep in mind because this is like I was talking about yesterday in my first five, the people in this country, the, the you know, the people, get are, are getting a rising sense of anger because no one will listen to them. I mean, we election fraud evidence, if you haven't listened to this show, there are many, many shows we've had on. You can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and go back and find all the interviews we've done just with Dr. Douglas Frank, just with Seth, Seth Keschel and others, and, and many, many um, indicia and, and data we've covered in this show about election fraud. And yet this judge goes along with Arizona after seeing that what the relief she asked for, which was paper ballots, would have prevented all the chaos on election day, and he still sanctioned her lawyers. And, you know, you can't, I mean, I, I hope that ultimately gets reversed, but it really says about this judge, um, one of two things, and neither of them are very nice. It either says that he is so ignorant, so unaware, doesn't know what time it is in America, doesn't understand the perpetual fraud, election fraud on, ongoing, either doesn't understand it or he does and he doesn't care. There's no good read about this judge based on what he did. He either is actually ignorant and really shouldn't be a judge or he does know and he's fine with it. Maybe he's even complicit, who knows? All I know is there's no basis for a judge to sanction her lawyers um, over that, um, over the fact that she filed that case. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so I want to hit a couple of things. I want to talk about the, the Twitter files. Again, these are the files that are now becoming publicly available because Elon Musk bought Twitter and is uncovering a lot of what Twitter censored. And, you know, for the longest time, when people would say Twitter censors, social media censors, you know, there were a lot of people, the same people who write the headlines saying that Carrie Lake is confused or that, you know, there is the myth of election fraud has been uh, debunked so many times. We've debunked this. How much longer do we have to talk about this? Those same type of people who talk about that with election fraud, um, they also talk about that, about censoring uh, by the social media companies. So Elon Musk has been releasing the Twitter files. That's his, I, I think his, his term, maybe it was Trump's term, but anyway, um, the Twitter files. And so he's showing evidence of all of the repression of free speech that's occurred at the hands of Twitter officials. And he's showing, which is even more bothersome, he's showing that there was ongoing communication between Federal government officials, your government, our government, federal government officials with the social media giants, including Twitter, essentially participating and orchestrating the censoring. I mean, if you ever want a, you know, should be a textbook case of First Amendment violation, interference with free speech, uh, the government doing that is that it is that. So I want to hit a couple quick points. These are, by the way, you can read them. You can read the Twitter files. Uh, they're on um, on Twitter, being released on Twitter uh, by Matt Tayabi. Um, 
T-I-A-B-B-I. Uh, he's on Twitter releasing them all. Also, Barry Weiss is a Washington Post left-wing journalist um, who is allegedly participating in releasing these. A little concerned about what she would choose to release, but anyway, she's got a website up. But I want to mention three points about the Twitter files. They're fun to read. I can't read them all to you. I'll make it, uh, three quick points. One is Cash Patel, you know, who's just a... Um, you know, a high integrity guy. He's a, a the former House Intelligence Committee lead investigator, Cash Patel. He's pointing out that in these Twitter file releases, which everyone's glad to see, of course, but in these releases, you are not seeing, as you should be able to, where everything really being released, you're not seeing the communications between the FBI, the DOJ, whoever else in the federal government was participating in this censoring um, conspiracy against the American people. I mean, even when Twitter's releasing things, even when Elon Musk is, is releasing things, you're not seeing what the communication was from the FBI and other federal officials. And maybe, you know, there's a goal to protect those officials and their identities, not have them uh, exposed. I don't know what the reason would be, but it's not healthy. It's not good. The idea that you would have, um, you know, this kind of censoring by the people who are claiming to expose censoring, but they're censoring. So Twittering, Twitter's uh, censoring itself, absolutely true. Um, and it's a great point he's making. There are things that we'll share with you, though, that are uh, one other big thing on that story about Twitter files before I get to something really uh, about the particular guy um, at Twitter, the um, the censorer in chief, Yoel Roth. Um, but Barry Weiss, who is a total leftist, uh, she has a website up and she's purporting to share the Twitter files and, you know, claiming she's really, she stands above parties, she's standing for what's right, blah, blah. Well, I mean, she has a staff working with her, of course, assisting her, advising her what should be released and how you describe it. Because what she's doing is this a massive, you know, document dump. And so she's running through point one, point two, point three, and she's not, but so she's got, she's bullet pointing or, or numbering her what she's found in the Twitter files, and uh, she's on now Twitter release five, I think. So she puts out, uh, you know, a tranche of them at a time, and then she has another one, then another one. So she's on five, I think. But one of the lead people helping her is no one less than, and I feel like I should do a drum roll or something, Bill Barr. Bill Barr, the former attorney general, the guy who claimed over and over, there's absolutely no basis, outcome changing election fraud, no way it happened. A, and I mean, appointed by Trump and obviously despises Trump, has said all sorts of pretty nasty things about Trump. That guy is part of Barry Weiss's effort, which should give you great pause in assuming that you're getting everything from what Barry Weiss is putting up in her, um, her um, it's not a substack. it's just, I know it is a substack. it's Barry Weiss's substack. Anyway, quick thing about the, this, document dump that's very interesting and things you see, uh, not just because they constitute flat out acknowledgement that they were censoring conservatives, censoring people who supported Donald Trump and they get around to those most, the Twitter five file release um, is where they're actually coming to the conclusion they're just gonna shut Trump down. You know, he's a standard of his own, they don't like him so they're gonna shut him down. But earlier in one of these uh, Twitter releases in a third batch, a bunch of things that came out that were really interesting because they show attitude. They show snark and attitude. So this guy who's, you know, head of tr truth and safety or trust and safety, the internal censor board, uh, which was trust and safety or something like that. And he ran it. Yoel Roth um, ran that. And some of the things he has that have now come out that are in the Twitter dumps that are really kind of amazing. Um, so Yoel Roth, uh, and basically he's, there, you know, he's, he's joking about the company's collusion with government intelligence agencies. Like it's funny that Twitter is colluding with our government to silence free speech about the presidential election. So there's a, a little um, internal thing, your company may have it or and people you know, uh, called Slack. And it's just an internal communication system. Um, and so businesses use Slack. So instead of getting up and walking down the hall and say, hey, Bob, can you review this contract? You know, you don't have to send an email or, or you don't have to text them. You can just use this internal communication called Slack. So Slack was used inside Twitter. So the Slack communications, simply mind-blowing. Um, so after January 6th, 
um, internal slacks show that Twitter executives were getting a kick out of intensified relationships with the federal agencies. This is Tayabi. This is the guy, the Matt Tayabi, who's doing the main release of these things, um, publishing internal Slack messages that show that Roth lamented a lack of generic enough counter descriptions for concealing his very interesting meeting partners. He's even conscious on Slack. He, uh, Yoel Roth, the censor in chief inside Twitter, he's a little worried about what he puts in even a Slack message to somebody else. So he's, these, they, they think they're so cute and funny. I'm a big believer in calendar transparency, Roth said in one message, but I reached a certain point where my meetings became dot, 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 very interesting. And then in response to a colleague who commented, very boring business meeting that is definitely not about Trump, you know, smiley face. And Roth responded pretty much like, I mean, they're just cutesy in their communications when they're describing the meetings they were having um, to figure out a way to basically shut down Trump. So Twitter files are very interesting. Um, I would urge you to try at least scan them on Twitter um, or find Barry Weiss's Substack. Um, Twitter's a better place because you're getting the more direct uh, with what this stuff, the information was. But interestingly enough, um, this ex-Twitter censor, uh, Yoel Roth, um, he's ha he and his husband or boyfriend, he's uh, he's gay and he's he lives with, I guess not his husband's boyfriend, um, but they live together in some mansion in San Francisco and they were forced to flee recently uh, for the, because they, or they say they were fleeing because of the concerns about their own safety. And the reason they were concerned about their own safety was that Elon Musk published portions of what this Yoel Roth wrote in his uh, thesis, his doctoral thesis, where he was basically, he's got a PhD, he's got a PhD of all things, um, his PhD thesis that mentioned how under 18 year olds ought to be able to access the gay hookup app Grinder or some similar one. And um, underage, as he says, underage youngsters use the app anyway, so an age-appropriate version should be created to offer help to LGBT youth. So he's, I mean, I think it was a UPenn, it was a hugely prominent school where he got his PhD. I think it was one of the Ivies, I think it was UPenn, but wherever it was, this is a, you know, a gay guy running the censoring operation at Twitter and uh, having in his life, in his past, as he went to get his PhD, written his PhD thesis, among other topics, urging that young people ought to have a thing, something like Grindr, and Grindr is an app, apparently, I've never seen it, but Grindr is an app where gay people go to find hookups. So he's trying to help gay youth find a way to find gay hookups and he's saying what's so bad about the fact that they're on grinder they use it anyway or maybe make a different one so i think people decided he was a little unsavory he had other fairly extremely um colorful things he wrote and um people didn't like it and so anyway he's had to flee his home i am not in favor of hunting someone down like him and um and engaging in that kind of um, threats, which apparently, I don't know if they really occurred. I mean, people make up that they're threatened. I don't know if it really was, but I don't favor that. But I will say there's something, um, something symbolic about a guy whose views are so far out of mainstream that he's really hoping that youthful teenager LGBT uh, people can have their own, own uh, grinder-like account uh, that's what he thought was not only uh, an opinion he held worthy of writing about in his thesis, his PhD thesis, and he seemed like a good, reasonably reasonable, balanced guy that Twitter would hire to head up the entire Truth and Safety Commission or committee within Twitter. Uh, I mean, the place was just a, in many ways, the place is just a, a I don't even know what to call it, a pit, a, um, you know, and, and the guy obviously does not have mainstream views. I would guess, I would assume he has fairly left-wing views regarding the rights of, you know, Christians to say what they think about marriage, to say what they think the Bible says about marriage. I mean, when you're way down the path that you're trying to help LGBT uh, teenagers find hookups, you know, you're not really mainstream America. You're just not. And so when your job is to edit other people and you decide what's true and what's safe, yeah, I, I think that was a poor hiring decision. But in any case, uh, he's been fired. Um, and actually, 
um, the committee he headed up has been dissolved. I think that Elon, Elon Musk is trying to he's trying to reshape it, not just to uh, you know get rid of the really bad apples who were just left-wing censors, but to really restore it to what he thought the First Amendment idea was. I realize Elon Musk is not a conservative, so you don't have to send me an email afterwards saying that or comment. I know he's not a conservative, but if he restores something akin to a free speech venue on Twitter um, platform, uh, he's doing a great thing. Okay, quickly for our radio listeners, you're about to go off on a break. Um, we are going to be right here when you come back at America Can We Talk. You're listening to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis, and my show, our blog post, everything we do is at our website, americacanwetalk.org. So come back after your break. Okay, I'm going to hit something, and I, I kind of tease this at the beginning of the show, but I really want to... I, I will be talking about this in an ongoing way, um, but I want to talk about this. So Lieutenant General Michael Flynn has a new book out, and it's called The Citizen's Guide to Fifth-Generation Warfare. Again, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth-Generation Warfare. He co-wrote this book um, with a guy um, named Boone Cutler, um, who's an author, columnist, a music video director, um, etc. Anyway, um, so this book is capturing the idea that America is under attack, not obviously bombs and bullets yet, but under a, a genuine warfare with narrative shaping, shaping without your even seeing it, shaping what you think, what you believe, what you think is true about people, events, and issues. There is an actual ongoing psychological operation, mental manipulation, imposition, a, a hypnotism or mesmerism, those are my words, of, uh, of the American people ongoing at the hands of people who truly deeply do not believe in the idea of America. And it becomes very hard for people to even find out what's true almost on any topic. I mentioned earlier about Carrie Lake and how she's got a lawsuit filled but with, with you know, evidence and links and declarations and affidavits and offering expert witnesses. And as I said, as you look, if you look on Google, everything about it, not only is it she an idiot, but the pleadings are a sham, they're a joke, they're embarrassing. You know, I mean, they're just, they mock any effort to bring election integrity to the attention of the courts and, the, and through mock, mocking and ridicule. And if you don't know where to read to find other things, you don't know where to read and you simply start to believe all of this ongoing mesmerism. So I want to play a quick uh, clip I sent to Emilio um, a little while ago before we got started. Uh, this is from Star Wars, which is a great film, a great series of films. But this is a quick clip and then we'll come back and talk about it. three or four seasons? They're up for sale if we want them. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Okay, we can stop it right there. You can start right there. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously, is using mind control. He's, you know, these guards are supposed to be looking for the droids. And he just, I mean, I understand it's fiction. Please, I understand it's fiction. But, you know, he's using the power of suggestion. Um, uh, you don't need ID. They're supposed to be looking for these droids. You don't need ID. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Um, you can go about your business, move along. He plants that thought in the mind of this head guard, who in turn listens to Obi-Wan Kenobi, turns to him, okay, these aren't the drugs we're looking for. Uh, yeah, you need to see their ID, move along. This is how the American people, this is really symbolic of how the American people are being led along by the narrative shaper, psychological operation in place in America today. I know you're going to be saying, well, who's doing that? Who's putting these narratives in place? We get to that in one moment. But first I want to mention, 
Uh, on my show in the past, many times, we've had uh, China experts, people experts on what China and their ideology is and what they're trying to do to America. And many of them have mentioned a book. It's called Unrestricted Warfare. Unrestricted Warfare, uh, China's Master Plan to Destroy America. It was written by two Chinese you know, CCP uh, military generals, um, Kuo Yang and Wang Shangshu, I believe that, actually, I think that is the right way to say those names, but in any case, to two Chinese generals, and they're basically saying, you know, in America, uh, you know, we're not going to beat them militarily. China would, didn't think they would beat us militarily, but we can take America down. We can destroy their belief in themselves. We can destroy their belief in their institutions, their country, their people, their culture, their religion, everything. They write about the idea through psychological manipulation, we can weaken and then attack and destroy America. The Chinese wrote this. was in 1998, I think, when the book came out. I think 1998. Um, but it was called Unrestricted Warfare. It became a big reason that people were trying to raise the alarm bell in America about China, that they're not really our friend, even though we trade with them and we import from them, we export to them. They're not really our friends. And ultimately, these high generals are writing about how they think America can be taken down. And if this is echoes of familiarity at all, if you're listening, you know, I've made similar points about way back when communism came to America in the 1920s or so. Same analysis done by the communists then. The idea that, you know, we want they, the communists, want to turn America communist, but they can see, you know, America is a, a prosperous, a robust a land of opportunity. And you have most, you have pretty much back then, before it was intentionally, uh, division was intentionally introduced, you have belief in the system of America, belief in the freedom of free markets, belief in the founding ideas that are the Declaration, the Constitution, this whole greatness of America thing. And the Chinese realized, the Chinese communists uh, and other communists in America realized, can't take America down uh, militarily, but we can destroy their belief in themselves. We can plant lies and seeds and, and rumors and falsities into the American conscience. That's what the Chinese, the, the Communist Party thought, and the CPUSA, China, uh, Communist Party of America, uh, tried and still tries to do, and and did through that list of uh, whatever it is, 45 points that they that they wrote out about how to take down America. Same thing that the uh, Chinese generals in 1998 with the unrestricted warfare book, China's Master Plan, um, uh, are saying, and it's the same thing really. It's a it's a modern day version that is now this new book by Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, whom I deeply respect and appreciate. So he, this book is basically about raising people's awareness of how much your perception of everything is driven by narratives, is driven by what the leftist cabal running this country, the Marxist cabal that has taken over the Democrat party and the, the communist ideology, the Marxist ideology that has invaded America's culture, really in many ways, you know, through the education system, through the Chinese, actual Chinese officials, individuals invading America um, and filling our institutions and government positions and working away, chipping away day after day, chipping away, chipping away at people's belief in America. So one thing that he, uh, Michael Flynn, has in this book um, is a QR code. I ordered the book today. I was hearing about it at a speech yesterday, went to in the daytime. I heard about it. Anyway, there's a, in the book, there's a QR code. And when you buy the book, you get the QR code and you all know how they work. It takes you to the, a website that's going to be updated and maintained um, uh, by people chosen, I guess, by Lieutenant General Flynn um, and Boone Cutler. And uh, it's going to give you facts. So instead of, you know, there is no such thing as election fraud, as an example, which the left is always pushing, it's a myth, it's been debunked for years, it's going to take you to, uh, I assume, I, I haven't talked to Lieutenant General Flynn about this, but, you know, it's going to take you to, you know, here are some facts, here are facts, here's the truth, here's reality, here's, I mean, here's just life and reality. So an issue after issue, instead of just being driven by the narrative and drawn along like a fool, uh, believing the narrative of this, as we're watching this ongoing takedown of America, you'll be able to get access to actual truth. And so great idea. I ordered the book today. I can't wait to have it. And I can't wait to, I'm going to pursue getting him on this show. He was on the show twice, a couple of years, quite a few years. I don't know when it was, but a while ago. Um, in fact, before he went to work for Trump, 
that was was the first time. In any case, but one little example of that that um, is a, a way in which you get duped into thinking things that are not true might really be true. Uh, just one little example. So PayPal, uh, we've talked about PayPal on the show before. You know, PayPal is this great uh, thing. Originally, you know, it was created. I looked it up today. Um, it was founded um, in uh, quite a while ago. Okay, I'm not finding it quickly, but anyway, um, it was it was founded with the idea um, that um, this would be a really really great idea to help people, you know, uh, transact business. You know, so PayPal, for example, people will hold events and they'll say, yeah, we're having a you know the uh, company Christmas party or the fundraiser uh, for something or other, and and so you go online to buy your ticket and you can use PayPal. And so you've got every individual has a PayPal account um, and it's tied to your bank account. And so you, but you can have an account right in PayPal. You can leave money in the account. And so P PayPal is popular because it's an easy way to pay people. And for a long time, it kind of worked well. You know, it was a, a, a idea that had, you know, merit to it. People like the simplicity of it. I did discover who founded PayPal. You may know this already. Uh, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, David Sachs, and Max Levchin, all four allegedly champions of free speech. All four now are questioning what the heck has happened to PayPal. But this is part of this, what I'm talking about, what Flynn was writing about, this slowly working away at the mindset of Americans. So back to PayPal, they had a big blow up recently because PayPal announced, you know, um, they don't like certain things, kind of like when the other social media censors censor you, they say, your you know, posting does not meet our community standards. And so they'll, they'll say, whatever it is you said about some topic doesn't meet our community standards. And that's how they, um, so that's how like Twitter and Facebook, other places, um, and YouTube take things down. Well, PayPal decided that there were some things they didn't like. And so they actually put out a policy statement. It's, it's been retracted, but they put a policy statement saying, you know, uh, if we find that you're uh, using your account in a way that we believe the, the causes you support, uh, the effort you're trying to do for fundraising, something you're doing violates PayPal's community standards, we may seize up to $2,500 of your money. They actually said that. And so, of course, you know, people don't like that too much. And there was a huge blowback because this is not them just canceling your account. Them is saying, we well, might just keep your money. And so they had to back off from that. And they issued some silly statement about, you know, it was kind of, uh, you know, a clerical error. I mean, they, they, that wasn't the right words, but it was just trying to back off and not be accountable for what they actually had said. So PayPal now um, is engaged in this practice of doing things like, and I've had this, I've known of events, not any of my events, but I've known of the events where this occurs where they'll have t sold tickets. You know, it's a fundraiser for a conservative cause. They'll sell tickets. People use PayPal. They, they you know, so they're, they've got the, um, the tickets. Uh, people are securing their tickets via PayPal. And PayPal decides the event violates our community standards. So they will cancel their involvement in the event in the middle of it. And so you thought you had all your tickets sold or most of your tickets sold and whether PayPal still has the money, they won't pass it along to the business. I mean, they are engaged in another form of censorship. And it's really interesting. Number one is, is censorship. It is really, I mean, all of our topics kind of fit together well today because what Twitter does, you know, I talk about, I'm talking about this, you know, hypnotism or mesmerism of society into thinking things the way that the people engaged in that you know, hypnotizing or psychological operation against you. They decide how you should think and that's how you should think. And that's how everyone must think and no one else can think differently. So that is why Twitter, they feel not just they are censoring and picking sides, they feel they're right. They are right. What they are saying, what they're censoring is right and everyone else who disagrees with them is wrong and must be silenced. They actually believe this. The Twitter censors do, other social media censors do, and PayPal's getting online with that. And it's not, it's the concept that the great psychological operation happening, taking down America, is these people get on board, they go, well, I don't know why I believe it, but now I firmly think, you know, X, Y, Z, something they never thought before, something that has no connection to reality, but they've been taught this is what you're supposed to think. It is that mesmerism, just like our friend Obi-Wan Kenobi. These are not the droids you're looking for. 
you don't want to be thinking this. No one is supposed to think this. Or Carrie Lake is you know, full of it. Carrie Lake is pushing debunked conspiracy theories. You hear that often enough, you read it often enough, and it becomes what you think, and you feel righteous standing up for that lie that has been planted in your thinking. And the left is doing this on issue after issue after issue as part of the, the long, broad taking down America, including the ideas like PayPal. Because I'm going to guess that PayPal officials, they actually think they're doing a good thing. They're doing a right thing. We shouldn't let a company have a business like this. It's not, we're not allowed to have that. They, they can't be, you know, raising money for blah, 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 because that goes against our beliefs in some other issue. They are really, it's a censoring of speech prompted by the mental manipulation of the psychological operation that the Chinese talked about in their book, uh, in the, um, the 1998 book by the Chinese generals, and back to even what the uh, communists in America thought, we're just going to permeate society with what we want them to think. And we're going to begin the tactic, it's a Saul Alinsky tactic, begin the tactic of attacking anyone who doesn't agree with us and paint them as lunatic and crazy. And then pretty soon people go, I don't want to be associated with so-and-so because they're lunatic and crazy. Anyway, I'm going to turn to uh, two other topics quickly. DeSantis, and I said, I call it DeSantis Lake in 28, has a good uh, ring to it, you know, rhyme to it. But before we get there, I want to quickly remind people that this show, America Can We Talk, is completely, completely listener supported. I do not have commercials interrupting us. It's completely listener supported. So one way you can help, and actually this is Christmas time, you can buy Christmas gifts for your relatives by doing what I'm about to suggest, and that is to go to MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com, which was founded by Mike Lindell, has amazing products. I mean, I can tell you, I've never pushed a product to you that we haven't purchased ourselves. My husband and I have the pillows, the uh, slippers, the robes, the sheets, the bath towels, uh, mattress covers. It's just a great catalog of uh, and, and an online website of wonderful products. So I want to urge you to support this show. Go to MyPillow.com, buy one of everything. Okay, don't buy one of everything, but buy everything you like. Make your Christmas gifts. Pick things there that you actually will like. I can promise you high quality, and they will mail it to you, deliver it to you at home. You don't even have to leave your home. And when you go there, they already have good prices, but when you're checking out, there's a promo code entry, and enter the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, DEBBIEG. Enter the promo code. You get up to 66% off on everything you order, and I get a small payment for it. And all of us are happy because you have great products. You've accomplished some Christmas shopping or other shopping, birthday shopping, and never had to leave home. You get great products right to your home and you get a great price, and you're supporting my show. I would love if you would do that. So I urge you to consider doing that. And uh, sooner and often, you know, hit, go to my pillow, see if you need anything, order it there, put in Debbie G. Can help the show so very much. Okay, I'm gonna go back to. I know we don't have a ton of time. I do want to hit two quick topics. One is I call it DeSantis Lake in 28, or maybe Lake DeSantis. So there's a big push right now, and I did the sequence of these uh, topics today in the show on purpose. There's a big, big push. There's polling out now showing that you know DeSantis uh, is beating Trump, and people are choo- people are preferring DeSantis over Trump, um, and polling showing that DeSantis would even beat Biden. That is what the polling is now saying. So it's being pushed and hyped. You know, this would be great because DeSantis, you know, he won his election in double digits in Florida. You know, he's just in everything great. And I really want to warn you about that. I want to warn you and and, and urge you to think about a few things. Number one, if you don't know it, in 2020, President Trump won. The MAGA agenda won. And I'm telling you, everybody knows it, except the people who just stick their fingers in their ears and say, I don't want to know it, I don't want to hear it. But the, and the people who just want to repeat the mantra, there was no outcome-changing election from. But everyone paying attention to the mounting data understands this. So Trump won in 2020. And in 2022, the midterms, there was a red wave, a much bigger red wave than was reported. So what I'm getting at is there are election manipulators who will drive the outcome to be exactly what they want it to be. So if you're thinking, well, DeSantis has a better chance of beating Biden, why are you thinking they would let DeSantis win? These same manipulators 
that manipulate elections, that manipulate what the American people think about a whole host of issues, from climate change to border control to military policy to LGBTQ to transgender, that push on every issue from the left is a mind control manipulation of the American people. And this is part of it, to convince you to get behind DeSantis because after all, he can beat Biden. I have to say, I love DeSantis. I am not criticizing him. I think he is a great governor. He's done great things. I don't agree with everything he's done, but I think he's a great governor and someday could be a great president. But if you're getting lured into thinking, well, go ahead and support DeSantis because he can beat Biden, you're being manipulated. You're being played. There's no reason to expect a genuine outcome in the 2024 elections when we couldn't have it in the 2020 elections, we couldn't have it in the 2022 elections, we've had no courts actually looking at the substance and depth and proof of existing of, of election fraud in this country. The cases, all four cases that went to court that were actually brought by Sidney Powell, in all four cases, the judges wouldn't look at the evidence. They didn't look at it and say, you're crazy, you're wrong. They wouldn't look at it. They treat it as, uh, you know, either filed too early, filed too late, uh, you know, some other procedural finding, a lack of standing. They threw out cases without looking at the evidence. No one has looked at that evidence. And if we get to 2024 and we still have no courts looking at the evidence, then there's no reason to think those elections will be fair either. Our effort at this time has to be in pushing more elected officials to understand the depth and scope of election fraud, largely accomplished by the use of mail-in ballots and the electronic manipulation of data in the voter rolls and, and the use of mail-in ballots to cast votes on behalf of those uh, voters who aren't really, are in the election rolls but aren't really there. I urge you, if you uh, that was a very summary way of saying, if you didn't hear the most recent um, show we had Dr. Douglas Frank and on this show a couple weeks ago, I think, uh, go back and look at it, our website because he explains it really well. And some of the data he shows I mean, it's so overwhelming. So there's no other answer that you realize, oh my gosh, this is true. We're not solving the problem. It's like telling you, go ahead and get back in your car because we took care of everything. You know, we gave you new brakes and we changed out the windshield wipers and we adjusted the transmission. We didn't replace your brakes and your brakes are shot. They don't work, but go ahead and drive the car. It's that level of stupid. You wouldn't get in the car and start driving if they told you we haven't fixed the brakes and we can't be treating 2024 as well as going to be a real election until we fix election fraud, which requires many steps, part of which is what Carrie Lake is trying to get at, part of what the people have to do between now and then and pushing legislatures to move to paper ballots, day of voting only, a whole series of things, um, and we have to have massive, massive canvassing. So being lured into, oh, I know how we get out of this mess with, with um, you know, with um, Biden and what a mess he's making of America. We'll support DeSantis. You're being lured. I love DeSantis. I think he will be president someday. I think he is uh, on balance. You know, he, he'll be president um, likely someday. But we're taking our eye off the ball if we drop the discussion of election fraud. And again, I'll remind you, this whole effort to try to talk about Trump is kind of a has-been. People are done. They've had enough of him. Please understand, Trump won. Trump, they, they cannot refute that in 2020, Trump got more votes the second time he ran than he did the first time. Unprecedented. He got more votes in his, as he was trying to head into his second term than he did first term, and that is unprecedented. And he got a huge, the largest number of votes uh, that any candidate has had, period. And yet we had, so he's not unpopular. The MAGA agenda is not unpopular. He is, he says things I wish he wouldn't say. He tweets things I wish he wouldn't tweet or puts them out in some other form. But he's got the agenda to save America. Now I'm gonna say, if DeSantis is our candidate, whoever else is, I'll get behind them and I'll push them because I want to have the entire Democrat Marxist party swept out of power in Washington. I mean, I desperately want that. I'll support anyone. But don't get lured in or lured into the lie that Trump has become unpopular uh, because this is being driven by the same people who are telling you that everyone loves an insecure border, nobody wants a secure border. The same people telling you all the lies of the left are true, they're pushing this one too. Trump won because the people wanted his 
policies and values in, in um, 2020. So this, the Santa thing is just a, it's like a, you know, it's just a fake out for you, a squirrel. They used to say it's just a squirrel. So anyway, uh, last quick thing. We don't have much time left in the show today. Uh, by the way, quickly for our radio listeners, um, uh, first of all, thank you, Brightian Radio, for carrying the show. Everyone listening at Brightian Radio or anywhere online, you can always go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Everything we talk about is right there. Past shows, you can watch them. You can, you can, um, you know, comment on things. You can look at our blog posts. You can look at why it matters. Uh, you can actually. I just went to a big function yesterday, and uh, someone came up and said they actually numerous people did. They had been at my summit on October fifteenth, the Women for Freedom, and just said that was the best summit ever. I wish I could hear every speaker again. I said you can. Go to our website. If you weren't able to come to our Women for Freedom Summit uh, this year, um, you can hear all the speeches online at americacanwetalk.org. There are happy pictures pop up right at the homepage. Click on them. A couple links, obvious, takes you right to their, um, their speeches, and you can hear all of them, and they were, they were all brilliant. Okay, two last quick things. kind of just cultural uh, talking talk points, but the signs are culture is crazy very quickly. Um, one is... And I just, I, I do, when I say the culture is crazy, this is again what I'm talking about, like Flynn's trying to talk about and the, and the, the Chinese generals are writing about and the, China, and, the, and the communist part of America. The stories I'm about to tell you happened because there is an ongoing effort to undermine America's culture, undermine our belief in ourselves as, as a country, as unique and extraordinary and special country, uh, undermine the ideas of America's founding as set forth in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, undermine the belief in the ideas of America. America's most extraordinary, unique, precious idea for a country ever to bless this earth, ever. And, and, and countries around the world have watched us thrive and grow and be the land of opportunity because of those ideas. And those ideas drive the tyrannical people, the, the leftist who are just driven to control everyone else, drives them to distraction that people believe in America so strongly. So, and the ideas of America, the ideas of individual freedom and, and rights from God because you were born and all of us are equal. Those ideas make leftists, the tyrannical mindset, globalist, socialist, communist, Marxist, leftists, insane that people still believe these things. So they push and they push and they push against our culture. Resulting in these two quick stories, uh, one was that in the state of Virginia, there was a Virginia Christian group called... Family Foundation of Virginia, their nonprofit Christian lobbying organization. They had organized a private event at some venue called Metzger Bar and Butchery in Richmond, Virginia, and the company, the store, canceled their event. The, the butchery shop, I guess it's like a venue, a meeting venue, canceled their event because they said uh, they, were, they were denied service over safety concerns. And that means that they had some staff at that, um, at that restaurant who uh, looked online what the group stands for, which I'm sure is traditional marriage, um, you know, life. I mean, I don't know what else. They just stand for traditional ideas. And the staffers said they wouldn't serve these people because they don't like their ideas. This is, I mean, this cancel culture and, and steroids. And this is also, though, the loss of the clarity of the owners of this business to say, to their employees, you don't get to choose. I don't have to like what you think. I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with them. They don't have to agree with you. But this is America. You have a job. You wait on those people or you're fired. And any adult in America used to know these things. But now we're so pushed around, so afraid of offending. The left has set the narrative, what you must believe. And anyone who says, I might be offended. I might have my feelings hurt. I don't feel safe. We go, okay. And the business kicks out this Christian group, doesn't let them have their meeting there. I hope they get boycotted. Second and similar thing about how our, our culture has been just kidnapped by lunatics. So there's a guy, Kirk Cameron. Weirdly, we met him before. Anyway, Kirk Cameron, um, and he has some books. He's an actor and a writer, and he has a book out, a children's book. Um, it's called As You Grow, and it is Christian-themed. So he's trying to bring this to story hours for children. So he's had over 50 libraries in the country Tell him he can't come. He can't read this brand new, really sweet children's book at Children's Story Hour because it's Christian themed. Now, mind you, I'm going to guess some of these 
public libraries, allow drag queen stories, drag queen story hour, allow all sorts of other obvious confused perversion to show up and do their thing at their libraries. But this guy can't. Again, understand, it's deeper than just left-wing thinking and right-wing thinking. This is a mindset that has taken hold in some elements of our country that says, once the left has spoken, they've set the narrative, they've decided what everyone must think, that we're all, we just salute on board, okay, we're supposed to entertain children with Drag Queen Story Hour, but a book that is, that is child-appropriate, but has Christian values in it, can't have that. This, my people, my friends, must be fought back against because it's not just, you know, uh, one guy's book, but it is the concept. This has taken hold in our society that people think this is, so whoever runs these libraries, they think it is a reasonable position to take. That we do drag queen, oh yeah, I love that for small children, what could be wrong there? But a guy reading a book with Christian values can't do that. There's something very wrong there, and it is not just individual librarians. It is a succumbing to, and actually mostly blindly, foolishly, and unthinkingly surrendering to this, the left-wing narrative about everything the left pushes is reasonable and normal and must be tolerated, and everything they don't like must never be tolerated and never allowed. And we are losing freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of expression, every time we humor that kind of lunacy. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories I talked about today matter to you. So we start our day. We were talking uh, first today. There we have those. Thank you. Uh, Carrie Lake lawsuit, why it matters. Uh, sophistication and deployment of election stealing tools and methods has been obvious and overwhelming over several election cycles, but courts have remained reluctant to consider the evidence and or define what constitutes Proof of outcome-changing fraud. Carrie Lake's lawsuit over the Arizona midterm election will put judicial integrity to the test. The evidence of fraud in the Arizona election is overwhelming. It smacks of intentionality and nefariousness. It is plainly at an outcome-changing level, and everyone knows this. Lake's courageous action gives Arizona and America one more last chance to face election rigging and rise as a society to stop it. Moral courage is essential. Do Arizona American courts still have it? And on Twitter files, self-censoring, Elon Musk's release of Twitter files has been eye-opening regarding the arrogant, biased, perverted, and treasonous censorship of intellectual elites in the Silicon Valley. But the elephant in the room, direct federal government involvement in the social media censorship activity is being willfully ignored or obscured in these releases. James Baker's role in editing and redacting early Twitter releases was late in being acknowledged. Baker should have been fired at the outset of Musk's purchase of Twitter. What are the roles of Bill Barr and Chris Ray and those under their commands? Who is Shelby Pearson of the DNI office and why is she involved with big tech? Trust in Musk as a white hat for free speech survival may ultimately depend on whether these obvious omissions are corrected and the full unedited truth is shared. And on fifth generation warfare, invisible but deadly, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's new book, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare is a must read. The CCP has long engaged in unrestricted warfare against the USA intended to destroy America without firing a shot, leaving China and world control. The weapons of this unrestricted CCP warfare, mental manipulation, deceit, demoralization, same as the uh, mission and weapons being used uh, by the left in America today. The purpose of CCP warfare is to discredit American values, to plant dissent and division to create hatred of America under God and cause Americans to lose confidence in their heritage and give up without knowing, one, that they are giving up, and two, what they're giving up. Americans must rise to win this war. Waking up the CCP tactics and those of the anti-American left today is the first step. And on DeSantis Lake in 28, or Lake DeSantis, Push polls are already painting, planting the idea that Trump is old news and discredited, and DeSantis is a shiny new object, unbeatable in 24. Trump won a landslide in 2020, a historic gain in votes for the incumbent. MAGA won a massive red wave in 2022, millions more GOP votes than Democrat votes. And that's actually the, even the, 
left him as that. But both elections were brazenly rigged and stolen, not because Trump is a uniquely bad person, but because a ruling class uniparty intends to hold on to power at all costs while abandoning American ideals in favor of globalism and secular elitism. Question, why would the same forces that stole the last two elections allow DeSantis to win in 2024? Answer, they wouldn't. They won't. Which is why the survival of America is not about the 2024 elections, it is about what will or will not be done now to broadly expose and stop election rigging in America. And that, oh no, one more, whoa. Uh, signs that the culture is crazy. Kirk Cameron wants to read biblically themed children's books at library story hours. Libraries turn Cameron down because too controversial. But drag queen story hour, that's okay. Virginia restaurant refuses service to Christian organization because the staff opposes Christian values. These are signs of fifth generation warfare against America. They zero in on God and Christianity as causing hatred and division. Yet God and Christianity are the foundation of America. They induce demoralization among the Christian backbone of America. They represent deceit and manipulation because there are vastly more Americans who support Christianity than those who hate it and who know Christianity as the basis of family, community, and unity, and not of divisiveness. Americans can win a fifth generation war if they wake up and engage. So one last quick thing, my friends, uh, uh, Thursday show this week, we have a special Thursday show each week with an in-studio audience. Our Thursday show has a guy come, joining us uh, named Sehun Kim. Mind, you, you, you just will not want to miss his show. Uh, I met him recently at a very small, private, very high-level national security conference, which I was blessed to be invited to. But uh, he's a young man who is uh, American. Uh, he is South Korean by descent and, uh, and a former avowed communist and is a, an astoundingly wonderful Christian, conservative, American patriot working on college campuses, talking to young people about the evils of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Amazingly impactful. The stories he has will just blow you away because, I mean, he's young and I think they they think he's more credible uh, because he's not, you know, an old white guy, uh, which, you know, they've been taught to not believe, but he's young and, as I say, South Korean by descent, very articulate, really understands the issues related to freedom versus communism at a very deep level. So you will love Thursday's show. I want to be sure and tease that so you are mark your calendar and join us uh, on, on the show on Thursday. So for everyone else, just thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show, America Can We Talk, to talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. about America. Can you hear